Hey, this is Julio. Hey, this is Steve. Before the podcast starts, we want to welcome and give you the opportunity to support our ministry by visiting our website at www.bridgemenlaredo.org. Scroll down to the bottom of any page and you'll find the PayPal donate button. Bridge Ministries exists to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ and to equip people to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. If you would like to help us in our mission of making affordable or free Bibles and Christian books available and also to check out the orphanage that we support, visit our website. Vietnam. I'm just joking. Um, good morning, good afternoon, <laughs> good uh, good evening, and thank you guys for coming in. That was random, right? You guys didn't expect that. <laughs> I was wondering where I was. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for tuning in, guys, and thank you for joining us. This is uh, Bridge Ministry, and we're producing a podcast called Coffee Colloquy. If you guys don't know what colloquy is, it is a strange, funny word, but it's a gathering of people for theological discussion. And if you don't know what coffee is, well, I feel really bad for you. And you could come to 6019 McPherson Road, Suite 8, and find out what coffee is. We got a huge menu. Some really good coffee. Yeah. um, I specifically like the keto coffee, uh, also known as the bulletproof coffee. You can find it up there on the top. And it's just a bridge blend, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just... Which is uh, probably a, a tablespoon of butter, and then with some heavy whipping cream, I put cinnamon. And I just started adding an Andy's mint, the chocolate mints that you find on Olive Garden. Nice. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's really good. And then we have Alejandra. She brought in the what? The co- the the coffee de olla, or what is it called? Coffee de. Olla. Yeah, I didn't, but <laughs> oh, who, I guess who brought I did. It? <laughs> I I started doing that a few yeah. weeks ago. Oh, so yeah. you so yeah, you did. he okay. totally surprised me with it. I was like, the taste. But where did you get it like from? Home. It's from our time in Mexico. We okay. we had it down there, and so we just kind of came up with a recipe. Mm-hmm. And what here? What is it? Cinnamon and piloncillo, which is like a Mexican brown sugar mm-hmm. with coffee, and uh, just really rich and comforting. It's a it's a great cold weather beverage. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's great. Um, and anyway, we're a Christian bookstore, coffee shop. We're open uh, Mondays through Fridays, eight a.m. to six p.m. and Saturdays, eight a.m. to four p.m. And uh, we would like for you to come in and also like, share our podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, listen to us on our website. Maybe YouTube. Not too sure we're going to be up on YouTube yet, but we'll update you on the next podcast. Uh, I'm Julio Rodriguez. Um, I'm a theology nerd. I love to read. We're all theology nerds. We're all theology yeah, nerds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, we would do this regardless, right? I mean, right. we do this here. We do this time. like eight hours a day anyway, so yeah, yeah. as a recorded. I would say the 90, 90% of our time is made up of reading the Bible, theology, philosophy, biology, soteria, all the ologies, all the studies of, you know, we, we pretty much go into it. Um in front of me, or to the right of me, is Alejandra. She's studying at Lee University Theology, right? Yes. She's a sheologian. So yes. she's a sheologian. There you go. All right. Um, you want to be a professor, right? Yeah, I want to be a professor. Okay. Yes. So she's going to be giving us a little lecture here on a little church history and a yes. little bit of the topic we're going to be 
be going through. And in front of me, we have the um, the founder of Bridge Ministries, uh, Steve Dan Hartog. So, I don't. How about you give an introduction to what Bridge is all about, why we're here, so why I, the ministries here? Yeah. So I'm Steve, and my wife Leanne and I started Bridge Ministries about seven years ago, and uh, just started out as a as a nonprofit book ministry. We wanted to be able to provide. Bibles and other solid evangelical Christian resources to the community here in Laredo, right along the border with Mexico, and then also to provide those resources for a lot of the missionaries and the pastors that go back and forth and work into Mexico. And so that's what we've been doing. And uh, last year we started a little coffee shop along with the ministry, and it's just a great combination, coffee and books, and provides the opportunity for us to to even reach out more into this community and develop relationships with people and have uh, discussions about pretty much anything yeah. you can imagine. And it all, all goes back to our uh, Christian worldview based on God's Word and His revelation to us. And so it's been a blessing to be able to do that, and, and this podcast then is, is kind of a, a growth from that. You know, we wanted to be able to to uh, make these discussions and and the resources that we have available worldwide. And so it's a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You come in here, if you like this conversation, you come to Bridge, and I could guarantee you if you sit for probably about 20 minutes, you're about to jump into a theological discussion on whatever topic it might be. I mean, I've had we've had some of the strangest conversations here, like <laughs> theories, conspiracy theories, I mean, oh, yeah. theology, like weird <laughs> theology. I mean, like we'll ju- we'll probably talk about anything here besides yeah. obviously what's sinful. We won't get into to, to any crazy stuff. Well, but. we like to keep current though too with what's with what's being discussed out there and you know yeah. obviously you know what's good about it, what's bad about it. So Yeah. You you also too I I've met so many awesome people here. Um just a little testimony about what bridge is and like why we're here and just a good example is that individual who's in Mexico, right? He's Literally coming across the border. Oh yeah, walking. I mean, yeah. give a little bit about that because that's awesome as well. That's why we're here. Yeah, he lives. Uh, he's a pastor at a church about half an hour into Mexico, and he'll come here, and uh, he looks for resources that he can use in teaching and pastoring his church in Mexico. And the the uh, strange thing about it is that he doesn't really speak any English. He reads a little bit. But almost all of his resources that he purchases are English resources. He'll purchase commentaries, systematic theologies, and then he'll use Google Translate or he'll find somebody who can help him translate. And he'll use that then to prepare his sermon lessons and his teachings. And so I'm just thinking, you know, what amazing commitment, you know, this gentleman has to, uh, you know, first few times he came he, he took the bus he didn't he didn't even have a vehicle you know so he'd take the bus to the border and then from there he'd find our bookstore and uh you know it was practically a, it was a good half day endeavor for him just to get here yeah so. that's a man after god's own heart man yeah. that's dedication i mean complete dedication to or god's even people last, <laughs> even this past week when we literally spent like from 10 to 8 p.m. We did. Just talking about different things. And the beautiful thing is that we were just dialoguing, just, hey, why do you think about this? And then all of us will give our our view in that topic. And that's just a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. We went from uh, 
from Bernie Sanders to uh, the if women should be pastors. We like debated that, and then we jumped to just different topics. I mean, we we went we went about everywhere, and that's why that was a long time. We sat there. (laughs) That's why I think theology is best done in community. You know, all all always it goes back to God's word. What is God's word? What is His revelation to us? You know, Mm -hmm. and so when we do it in community, though, we can challenge each other. We can you know share what we see mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, learn from each other in that way. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, again, we welcome you guys to come in and have these discussions and befriend us and and talk to people here. Uh, we also do have some Bible studies that we have here on the weekends, uh, reading good books. We'll recommend you books personally from all of us. It's, um, um, from everything that's really like meat heavy in theology to something that is just milk, mm-hmm. you know. And so, come on in. And uh, uh, Romans twelve two says, uh, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." Again, Romans twelve two. That was the ESV. So we definitely encourage everybody to to grow. Um, to really pursue the renewing of your mind. So um, this podcast, um, at least for the next three podcasts, we're going to be going over a book titled Body and Soul Reclaiming the Heidelberg Catechism by Craig Barnes. He is a professor and pastor. He's a professor at um, Princeton Theological Seminary. And I'll go ahead and read the back of the book just to give some context. So in this groundbreaking book, the, uh, theologian, pastor, and popular author M. Craig Barnes reveals the Heidelberg Catechism's true identity. It's not a list of doctrinal questions and answers. It's not a cut and dried summary of what Christians believe. It's a deeply personal statement of faith and a surprising contemporary guide for everyday life. You'll find that this 450-year-old confession is a reliable and, and, and inspiring compassion uh, companion, that is, in a world where faith and doubt coexist, you also find comfort in belonging, body and soul, to the triune God. So it's 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 a great book on church history. It could work as a devotion, um, and it's just a great. I, I would say it's a good book to kind of start. Especially, yeah. it, it really it is. I I've so far I've really enjoyed it. Well, when you think of Heidelberg Catechism, if if you know what it is at all, oftentimes you know people's eyes kind of glaze over you know we're talking something mm-hmm. that's 450 years old or so yeah. you know and so you know what relevance does that have to me right. today but that's the great thing about this book and the catechism of course is that it it uh, allows us to understand the relevance the uh, mm-hmm. definitely yeah you have any? go ahead no oh, go ahead. yeah and uh if you want something too as a devotional or something to go uh with with your kids we have the new city catechism 52 questions and answers uh for our hearts and minds and that doesn't really have an author but i looked in the back and it has a uh, crossways the publisher and it has the co- the gospel coalition in the back mm-hmm. which i consider very trustworthy credible credible reform sources carson keller so it's got several contributors yeah. to it. Um, oh yeah, but it's it's really solid stuff. If you want something that you can do with your children, it's a great catechism yeah. to use. Yeah, and these catechisms are pretty long. The Heidelberg Catechism, um, the the New City Catechism, mm-hmm. is very short, simple to understand. Fifty two question and answers. Yeah, it's great. So, 
Anyway, so let's go ahead and jump. This first uh, segment, we're just going to be going over um, a little bit of church history and kind of defining, well, what exactly is a catechism? I know growing up, I kind of had thought of a catechism and the Catholic Church is synonymous, mm. right? You hear the word catechism, you're like, oh, this is boring. Exactly. This is so boring. Like, what? who, who reads catechisms? Who uses catechisms anymore? So... Um, the word catechism comes from the Greek, which means to teach by word of mouth or to teach orally. And it's not used all the time in a religious context, and we'll go ahead and get we'll get into that in just a bit. But catechism has been used to summarize and exposit doctrine and serves as a leading introduction, right, to whatever whatever you're going to be going through. Uh, cate- catechisms and doctrine doctrinal manuals. Uh, often the form of a question followed by an answer to be memorized, a format that has been used in non-religious and secular uh, contexts as well. Um, and I have a list of secular catechisms that I thought was, some of them are actually pretty funny. So we have uh, the Catechism of the History of Newfoundland, 1856. The Coal Catechism. It's literally about coal, like the understanding of what coal is. And I'm going to read some right now. We have the Catechism of Steam Engines, 1856. That's crazy. We have the Elementary Catechism of Constitutional uh, uh, of the Constitution of the United States. Watch, I'll read a little bit of another uh, of that in a little bit. Uh, that's 1828. And the Principles of Communism was actually first a catechism, and it was by Frederick Engels, uh, again 1847. And that was used as a construction and a material guide to uh, produce the Communist Manifesto. Wow. It's crazy. All right. So um, we have the the Cole Catechism. And I'll read a little bit of the preface. It's pretty cool. So Catechism of Cole is intended for that great number of intelligent readers who have no technical training and yet who prefer to seek knowledge by reading special subjects rather than fiction. A large proportion of these have neither the time nor the inclination to pursue the voluminous, the vol, the voluminous, blah, 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 geological and statistical reports of the coal industry in the United States, or in the study of ponderous volumes gathered wisdom by technical experts. So it's it's pretty much saying at the end of the preface, hey, we're just making it simple for the just average person to understand, right, and sort of memorize. So check this out. We have chapter one, the origins of coal. What is coal? It says fossil fuel, a black earthy substance which is dug from the ground and which can be buried for fuel. So it's just a question and answer to help people kind of understand. I guess this exactly. was for miners, coal, right? Just simple ways that someone could, could understand and something that they could refer to uh, for truth. Another one is uh, what does coal consist? Chemically, it consists of carbon, volatile matter, sulfur, and ash with a small amount of water. That's it. Right. So just so easy. Simple. Yeah, easy, 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 easy. And then we have this other one, uh, Elementary Catechisms of the Constitution of the United States by author Jay Stansberry. And elementary for kids, very simple question and answer. What country do you live in? In the United States of America. <laughs> that's, the, that's the response. <laughs> and then we have a question. What is this country called? Oh, why is this country called the United States? Because it is made up of a number of states which once separated, but afterward agreed to unite together. Right? That's the answer. Um, I'm having a hard time reading because it it's just so, so small font. But um, again, just so you guys know, um, catechisms, it's something that is very simple to digest, something easy to memorize. 
And as we'll see here in the first Heidelberg Catechism number one Q and A, um, it has a lot of truth in it, and it's very, very packed with the truth. Um, and there's different catechisms in the Protestant faith. Uh, we have Lutheran, Reform, uh, Geneva, Westminster's, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, Anglican, Methodist, Heidelberg, which is the one we're going to be going to, and that was finally prepped up and published in January 19th, 1563. Um, and that was years after the, the Reformation. So I really believe that it's important as a, as a church and as Christians to dive into this stuff, really um, go into church history, because it, it's important. Um, it gives us a faithfulness. If you want uh, if you want to stay faithful to the truth of God's Word, and it's important to understand, it's important to understand the lies and the attacks that God's Word has undergone, um, understanding the heresies, teachings, it also gives you some perspective. I mean, we have a really rich and rigorous 2,000 years of history, and it's just good to just get that really nice perspective of where we come from, the good and the bad. So, And several thousand years before that. I mean, oh, our, yeah. our faith is in historical faith, so goes going all the way back to to Abraham and the Jewish foundation of our faith. So yeah. history is important. It goes back to the Genesis in the beginning, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, and so the, the, the Christian faith has not ended, and it's still going on today. And uh, as Revelation shows us, in the book of Revelations, it's going to continue until then. So um, anyway, I'm going to hand it over to Alejandra. So she's been kind of prepping. Yes. She's going to be the, she's <laughs> studying for this, right, to be a professor. So go ahead and give us a little history and the origins of the, the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, okay, so I think it is very important to study history, as Julio has mentioned, um, because it gives us a perspective of who we are and we, how we got here. Um, sometimes we have this idea of the just theology that we follow, the ideas that we follow, depending on the denomination that you find yourself in or um, just what you have uh, believed throughout your life, but then you don't know where those things come from. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important because of our faith of us as Christians, like Steve said, it goes back to Jesus, go back to Paul, it goes back to all the way to Genesis. So how do we know uh, who these people were and how do we relate to them? So I think it is very important in the context of this catechism specifically to understand that it was born out of an attempt to create unity in the Reformed Church. Mm-hmm. So it is a fresh uh, a way of teaching, as it was mentioned, the people what it what it was the the doctrine of the Reformed Church, but in a way that it would not give like a preference to one theologian or the other that it would mix all of them in in a way that it could teach uh, the people what it was that they were believing. Mm-hmm. So, or what they meant to believe based on the Bible. So that's a very cool thing that I kind of found that as I was researching about this catechism is like, there were so many theologians, Luther, Swingley, Calvin, Bullinger, all of these people, but it was not about them or about just one of them, but about of all of them together combine or actually base in the truth of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So just some um, background to it. The catechism was written in the 1500s. Is that how you say it? 1500s? Yeah, 1500s, yeah. <laughs> Has a hard time with numbers. Pretty much, as it was mentioned, um, there was just this relationship between the Lutheran and the Reform groups were often tense, and it was marked by a sporadic conflict, mm. especially... Um, 
I think when we think about church history, we think like everybody or all the theologians were just like, I don't know, in a cave just writing theology <laughs> yeah. and not talking to each other. But actually, in the time of the Reformation, it was a continuous um, collaboration of theologians and a continuous correspondence between theologians. Mm -hmm. And it would take them days or months for them to receive the letter from another theologian. So there was a lot of misunderstanding between <laughs> a geographic area or the other. No text message no or email. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, you got to wait for that horse to arrive. <laughs> There's no Wi-Fi here. So it, it's, an, it's a very amazing thing because uh, let's say that Calvin or Luther had a doubt and they would send a letter to each other, but you're talking of a person who's living in the Switzerland and the other person who's living in Germany, and it would take them two or three months to receive a letter. So it's a very interesting thing. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of conflicts between them because they had a point of disagreement. And this was the, Lord, the Lord's Supper. It's just so amazing. And so they also had the threat of the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, better said, retaliation in mind. So unity was a very serious and important matter. Unity was not only something that the church confessed, but the lack of unity in the church would end up resulting in political and ex existential consequences mm -hmm. because this is also a time where there was a closer relationship between the state and the church there was not such thing as like a t total separation whatever that goes on in the church has nothing to do with the government right and this time anything that was decided in the church had to do with the government right so they knew that they were they needed to come out with a proclamation that would signify um a closer relationship between the churches but they didn't know how to do this without giving a preference to one or the other if you know anything about reform history luther and swingley had very different ideas about transubstantiation the lord's supper right so it was like uh they didn't agree that much but what is also interesting about this time is that theologians such as calvin for example he would talk about luther as you know, I disagree with him, but I admire him so much. Like, I learn from him. Like, Luther woke up many of them to start studying the Bible. He was like a, kind of like, he set the fire for the others to study. Yeah. And so, in, even though they had disagreements with them, they respect him so much. Which mm. is some, something that also teaches us a great lesson nowadays. Because even you disagree with a matter in theology, doesn't doesn't mean that you... Uh, you're not brothers and sisters in Christ. So I think oh, yeah. that's 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 thing. a very important note to take. It is. Yeah. It's a good yeah. lesson. Yeah, I love reform history. They were just, they would disagree a lot, but they would, they would consider each other as brothers and sisters. Yeah. So how is the catechism came to be? You have to explain all these things to get to the point of the catechism, but there were many other confessions of faith that were just attempts to unify the Reformed Church. One of them was the first Helvic Confession of Faith, mm -hmm. um, which attempted to bring uh, unity in the church, but it was so kind of like s on the side of the theology of Swingley that it bothered a, lo it bothered a lot of people in the other Reformed churches. So it was just a failure, didn't bring any unity in the church so how is it started okay so in the catechism in 1559 frederick the third became the elector of Pal palatinate. <laughs> palatinate. palatinate 
I always have a hard time with that good word. <laughs> if, so I can just, if I could just insert something in here, a little parentheses. I just want you to know that uh, that uh, Allie has has only been speaking English for, what, four years or so? Yes. Yeah. And so when she has a little trouble with these words, it's very understandable. But to see how she has progressed and where she's at now, I think, is phenomenal. So. Yeah. We'll do a podcast again on, on, on your testimony because I was like mind blown. So four years only speaking English. Anyway, go. Yeah, and this word is so complicated. But anyways, <laughs> so before Frederick, there was much religious intolerance in that province. So given that reform faith had been recently introduced against uh, the background of the ecclesial turmoil that was going on at the time, it is understandable that Frederick III thought about keeping the unity as a high priority for, for his agenda. And it was not only important to the church, but it was also a social and political well-being of that province where he was the elector, which was an interesting, very interesting thing, because um, in that time, they would think that if we create um, like a manifesto, a, conf a confession, mm -hmm. will rule over this province in that way that people needs to all everybody needs in this province needs to understand this confession and this will bring unity that was their idea of doing things pretty much that it really never worked but it was a good attempt to do so and govern like people who was in government was very 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 mindful of these things which is something admirable too mm -hmm. um so he went to talk to a person who is Frederick III went to talk to Zacharias Ursinius and actually Frederick also created a college of theology for the place where he was a governor of. And he called Zacharias to be the professor of theology in that college because um, a very specific reason was that he had had trained with many of the most prominent theologians of the time. He mm -hmm. had had contact with Luther, he had had contact with Calvin, he had had contact with Bullinger. So he was knowledgeable of the theologists of everybody. He was not just like mindful of Swingley or mindful of Luther, but of everybody. So that's what made him the candidate to be the professor of theology of that's that cool. place. And so since he had, he has been exposed to all of this theology, Frederick thought, well, I think you're the you're the one to yeah. do this confession. And so so he did. He started to just think about the theology of all of them and do something that was in a certain point a little bit of had a little bit of ambiguity. It was not that just this is the way we believe things, but it just left a little bit of an open space for discussion. Mm -hmm. So he started to write the catechism, leaving that open space to discussion and it first uh, I think it began with 300 questions, more or less. But it mm -hmm. was too long, and that was not going to be successful, so he started to just get up on questions. And at the beginning, it was a little bit leaning to Swingley's theology, which was not a good idea either, because it was just going to promote disunity again. So he continued to edit it, and he had many contributors um, that theologians of the time helped them to form this confession, which when it was introduced as we know it and as, as we have it right now, um, was not that successful at the beginning, but then um, he was, uh, some of the churches were like, okay, I think you're a heretic. Mm -hmm. It was just a weird thing because <laughs> that's not heresy, but it was just, they were just very mad. Yeah. And some churches were like, I think you're just saying things 
and they started to blame Frederick III for doing so and trying to come up with a third way of, of, of learning theology. Mm-hmm. And so the amazing thing is that Hendrik Bullinger interfered or and interceded in a way for Frederick and for Zacharias uh, writing in the second Helvig con- Confession of Faith, which came to bring unity to the Reformed Church. And as it was published and as it was sent to uh, uh, all the Reformed churches, what happened is that they ended up knowing that, okay, this is good theology so we can receive it. Right. And up until this time, that has been the confession that, and the catechism that is used in many, many Reformed churches and has brought unity. And just to think about it just makes you be united with other people from different parts of the world who confess the same things that are taught right. in the catechism so yeah. pretty much that's the history yeah and it's like the most widely used i was reading about mm-hmm. yeah imagine zacharias or Senius, right he's it's like oh i know luther and i know calvin i know yeah. that's cool yeah he knew everybody <laughs> cool. so i know i was like was the really? right person to do so yeah. which was amazing yeah and it, yeah, if you look at the Protestant Reformation, I mean, the Lutherans and the, and the Calvinists, uh, right? I mean, they, they were really bitter and violent, and sometimes it turned violent. So Zacharias was kind of a bridge. He was. Bringing them all together. He was a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> what, a bridge. what does bridge stand for, for the listeners? Well, the acronym is Bridge uh, Books Recycled to Instruct, Disciple, Guide, and Educate. Awesome. So I, couldn't even, I couldn't even come up with that. A lot of our books are uh, are donated to us, obviously. So yeah. in that way, we're able to keep the pricing very affordable. And, right. And uh, we also support a boys' home in Mexico. Yeah. All right. Well, I, that was a good history lesson. That was. That yeah. was excellent. Good and, job. Yeah. And, and if any if anybody wants to learn more about the Protestant Reformation and and you know all those questions, do it. It's one of the coolest things. I think once I got into church history, for some reason, that triggered me to read. Right. Like, I loved it. I think reading about John Calvin and, like, what he did and what Luther did, I mean, when I was I wanted to run through a wall. I was so hyped. Yeah. Like, I was like, these guys are awesome. <laughs> like, if there's any, like, like if you want to title someone gangster, these dudes were it. They like, were. <laughs> I mean, these guys were, like, fearless and, yes. and just lovers of God's word and, and, and uh fearless and huge intellects and they yeah. just they, they love God yeah that's another thing is you know you'll get a there's a misconception that a theologian is dumb but I mean these dudes were lawyers oh. these guys were so mathematicians I mean intellects you know exactly. I mean these dudes yeah. were smart and I, I I just absolutely loved it and, and it's it's cool to read in the Bible you know I think when Christ says uh, you know your mother is calling you and he's like you know you guys are my brothers and sisters and stuff and it's cool to like we read these our brothers and sisters, and and we're gonna see them in heaven. Right. You know what I mean? Like these these guys, I could call Calvin my brother and Luther my brother, and and it's just cool. Like these are like, I don't know. It's kind of like when you look up uh, to your older brother. I don't have an older sibling, but yeah. I don't know. I look at Calvin. I'm like, you and know, they, in a way, he's they he's were awesome, all pastors, man. which is also an amazing thing to consider yeah. because we think, oh, they were just doing things in a vacuum, but mm-hmm. they were actually exposed to the human heart. Mm-hmm. to the increase of our mind to our problems so they were looking at these things looking at the bible they were not just in yeah. a room writing yeah. all these things or thinking all day they were actually ministers yeah, yeah exactly yeah. very busy as ministers as pastors pastoring Faithful. the sheep you know making doing sermons multiple sermons every week you know visiting people 
So uh, these guys, these guys had it together. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, but just to give a little context of why we're going to be going through a couple of chapters of this book, you want to explain it, Steve? Well, it's just because, like we we talked about a little bit earlier, how relevant it is to our current context. Even though it was written 450 years ago, we deal with the same sort of issues, maybe in a little bit different way, but same sort of issues that people dealt with mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago. You know, the difficulties of life, the challenges the death that each one of us faces. The first Q&A of the catechism, the question is, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Mm. And the answer, the brief answer, that I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about and unpack a little bit more on our next podcast. But uh, just uh, hearing that will, will make you... Um, think about will help us to understand why it's so relevant for us even now. Yeah, yeah. So ponder that question. What is your only comfort in life? Yeah. And in death. Yeah, and in death. Really ponder that question this week and catch us back on the next one, which should be coming out next week. So um, again, share this podcast uh, on Facebook. You could find it on SoundCloud, iTunes. If you got an iPhone, Hit the subscribe button. Again, look up Bridge Ministries Coffee Colloquy, and you're going to see the Bridge logo. Subscribe to it. You can find us also on YouTube. Uh, We're going to be coming out with a lot of uh, book summary videos that are about a minute long. You could also, too, find a great video done by uh, Matt Maldonado. Uh, Maldonado. And uh, it's a a good summary, just kind of what we're all about, too, and you get a little visual on it. But uh, like and share. And likes on Facebook as well. So we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you. See ya.